Words to live by are do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Those words are found at the end of Romans chapter 12. If you're not already there in your Bibles, I invite you to turn to God's word that this words to live by that are actually hard. Hard even with God's strength and even by God's grace, they are hard. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is in the context where God, through Paul, has been telling us what it means to be a Christian. Chapter 12 is what it looks like to live as a Christian. We spent ample time looking at verse by verse these different applications that almost is so much to take in. Chapter, verse 9 and, and this section here, likely broken as a paragraph in your Bible, begins with, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil. And I said when we started Romans chapter 12, this chapter assumes a lot. God assumes a lot of you. He assumes you know what is evil. He seems, assumes you know what is good. And he only does it because at the beginning of Romans chapter 12, he tells us to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And what's our mind to be renewed to? Well, just to our our own thoughts and our own abilities. Well, no, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then it says, do not be conformed to this world, but... Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How we judge what is good is not based on what society says is good. How we judge what is good is not based on your former self, and now I'm good. It's not based on whether your neighbor is bad compared to you. That's not good. What is good, it tells us when we are transformed in the renewal of our mind, that we may discern the will of God. The will of God that He makes plain to us in His Scripture. The will of God, the the heart of God, the desires of God, the, the things that please God, that are good and perfect and acceptable. Those are the things that we pray that God would transform our minds to to know and to submit to, and to, as we read the Bible, to be convicted of that we are not. Good. And so when we get to the very end of Romans chapter 12, where it says, again, it's using this term good, it assumes that we have spent time in prayer asking God to transform us, to renew our minds, so that we might know indeed what is good that he speaks of. Because here it is so important to know what is good, because that is the only way to overcome what is evil. And we need that. It's terrifying. Do not be overcome with evil suggests that evil can overcome us. Evil. And you might think, I'm I'm not evil. I've not been anywhere near evil. Hitler is evil. Al-Qaeda is evil. People who murder babies are evil. I am not evil. But the Bible would disagree with you. It would say that if you do not live in the will of God, then you are evil. That anything that is done not for the will of God, by the power of God, for the glory of God, is from your father, the Bible says, the devil. So 
it's devastating because if we don't believe that, we don't realize that, then we're just going to get hooked and we are going to get swept downstream like we talked about last week. So here, obviously the context where he's speaking, do not be overcome with evil, he's applying it to a specific example, right? The example is someone has hurt you. Someone has dragged you through the mud. Someone has spoken ill of you. They've made fun of you. They've done whatever to you. The example he's using is you're hurt and you naturally just want to retaliate. You want to avenge yourself. You want to get back at them. That's naturally what your sinful flesh wants to do. Retaliate. And he said, Beloved, never avenge yourself. In verse 19, we looked at it. Never avenge yourself. Believe it to the wrath of God. So don't get back at them. Believe in the promise of God that God will deal with that person. And then last week we learned that he says, now don't just do that. Don't just hold fast to a promise of God, but go further. Don't just put up with the person who has hurt you, but love them and be generous to them and be kind to them. Return good for the evil they've done to you. That's the challenge that he gave us last week, and we realized that we're only able to do that by God's power. Like who in their right mind would... Do good to someone who has harmed you. To someone who's stolen from you, you fill their bank account. Willingly. To someone who uh, hurts you, you give them the other cheek and you give them an opportunity to hurt you again. Why would a person ever do that? It is not natural in our sinful selves. But that's why he says it's, verse 20 began with the words, to the contrary. Against your nature, against what you desire, against where you're going to naturally flow to, against all of that. To the contrary. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will keep burning coals on his head. That's what we looked at last week. So not just putting up with evil, but pouring good on those who are evil to you. And so, when he goes into the next verse, he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by good. He is giving a Showing that this verse, which is a, uh, a verse to live by, can be applied when someone hurts you. It can be applied when someone takes advantage of you. It can be applied in, in this way. So to be overcome by evil in that example would be to retaliate. Someone hurts you, you hurt them back. To be overcome with evil means that you don't do good to someone who is your enemy. That's to be overcome by evil. Because... Why would it be called evil to just put up with a person who has hurt you instead of do good to them? It's because it's not doing what the heart of God would do. What what does God do to those who are evil towards Him? For you, for me, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He returned good for the evil that you've done towards Him. So then when we do not do the same, we're not living like Him. And then we are overcome, swept away by our natural flesh instead of our Christness. Right? Christ-likeness in us says, and it does, the fruit of Christ in us will be good in response to someone doing evil. Do not be overcome. Don't be captivated. Don't be overtaken. Don't be compelled towards evil. Here you see... The, the battle of the two natures in you. You know, if you read Romans chapter 7 that way, that is the Christian life, and Paul says, you know, the, the good I want to do, I, I don't do. And, and the things that I know I'm not supposed to do, I'm doing. Like this, this battle inwardly, this is what is going on. 
As John Owen famously said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Here, he's warning us the same. Do not be overcome by evil. It is so easy. That's the easy path. That's the wide path. That's the path that says, I'm not going to put any effort forward. I'm just going to coast through my Christian life and do the easy things like go to church and read my Bible and put a little money in a collection plate. That's what I'm going to do. Be careful. Be careful when your Christianity is easy. Because the picture the Bible paints of the Christian life is not easy. So if yours is easy and you're comfortable in your Christianity, ask God to show you maybe an area you have let slip or the danger that's ahead. Comfortable Christianity is one of the greatest tools of the enemy. For you to believe that this is just easy and all is good and I'm great with Jesus by just getting by, that's a lie that the enemy would tell you and have you believe. It's amazing to see this inward struggle. Romans chapter 8 also speaks to it as it said in in verse 12 and 13. Brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh. As in, we don't owe the flesh. We don't need to be overcome by this evil. Don't be debtors to live according to the flesh. And here's why. It says, if you live according to the flesh, if you allow yourself to be overcome with evil, if you do not consider the good you ought to do, or you're just coasting by, it says, if you live according to the flesh, you just kind of go with whatever your heart feels, whatever is most comfortable. If you live according to the flesh, it says you will die. It doesn't just mean a death like everybody else. Death is a separation from God. In this circumstance, you will die. You will be separated from God. If you live according to the flesh, you're not safe. You will die. But it has a positive in Romans chapter 8 verse 13 says, But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That's what it means to overcome evil. To put to death the deeds of the body. Whatever is a natural response in you, whether it's to retaliate against someone, make someone uh, hurt who has hurt you, pay back evil for evil, whether it's just to um, ignore the person who is not like you, whatever it might be, those are the deeds of the body that need to be put to death because they're not like the God who has saved us. In 3 John verse 11, it says this, Beloved, Do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God, but whoever does evil has not seen God. So, this verse in Romans chapter 12 is much stronger than we think. It's not just a nice verse that you can think, okay, yeah, that's a real encourager. It's it's devastating to think that we could be overcome by evil because... The rest of Scripture says if you're overcome by evil, then there's, you maybe don't even know God. You may be so immature that in your faith that you don't know God. If, if you just live by your heart, and you just go with the flow, and you respond how you want to respond, you get angry when someone cuts you off, and you flip them the bird, you do whatever your natural flesh desires to do, it, be warned. Be warned. Do not be overcome. Do not be swept away by evil because someone who does evil and makes a practice of doing evil, 3 John says, they don't even know God. 
If that's your way of life, if that's what you continually do, be warned. First John says it even uh, greater. It says, No one who abides in Him, that is in Christ, keeps on sinning. As in you don't make a practice, a daily habit of it. You don't keep on sinning. No one keeps on sinning who has either seen Him or known Him. It says, Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning. Because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God. And who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. The reason that verse, that paragraph gives for um, you being able to overcome evil, that this is not just some impossible task, is because it says, because he has been born of God. There's There's a newness in you. There's a new nature in you. A new power at work in you that can overcome the world. So then, if you are overcome by evil, you are not imitating good. You are not in line with what Jesus would have in your life. So there is this harsh warning. Harsh warning. And what's amazing is, when we think of what is evil, we always think of the worst of the worst. But in the context, it could be anything. It could be anything. What temptations are present in your life? And have they overcome you? Are they overcoming you? Have they ensnared you? What traps you? What lures you in? So that you don't know it until it's too late or till it hurts or till you've hurt someone else. What is it that has got you by the mouth? What are you stuck on? If someone looks at you, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, how, you, how your thought life is, what is it that consumes you? Is it your own image? How you look to other people? Is it your, your knowledge? You want to appear smart and wise and you want to be the one that everyone asks advice for? Are you the person that needs to know everything first so that when someone tells you, you say, I knew that. Are you the person who has to be in the know so therefore you're, you're prone to gossip? Because you need to be in the know about so-and-so's life so you're just, you can easily get sucked in and entrapped by what is evil. What, what is it that ensnares you? Whatever it is, we must put it to death. Colossians chapter 3, excellent grouping of things that are sin, things that are evil, things that can trap us and ensnare us. Here's the reality. A lot of time we don't think, unless we're in the sin, we don't think we're in trouble. We are all tempted to something. So as I read this list from Colossians chapter 3, perhaps you are tempted to one of such things. But it says, to put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion. So that'd be like anger, aggression, um, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Here's some more. 
anger, wrath, malice, slander. Do you speak poorly of other people? Obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. That includes stretching the truth. Seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. There's so many things. And even if one of those things is not you, I'm sure you're aware. I pray that you're aware of the different forms of temptation in your life. What is it? If I were to ask you in a private conversation, what tempted you this week? What could tempt you next week? Are you able to list the things and say, these things are a real temptation for me? And here's how I normally trip up. Here's the time, maybe. Maybe it's a time of day that you're just weak. And you become lazy. Laziness is a sin. Maybe there's a time of day where you just want to veg. And you neglect God's word because of it. Or you, whatever it might be. Do you know those things? Do you know where your weakness is? We all should know our weaknesses. Or else we will be overcome by evil. We will be overcome. It will just sweep us away. One of the greatest weapons the enemy uses is ignorance. Ignorance to how you are weak. If you just think you're strong, or you're unable to identify or name your weakness, or name the trap, you're in trouble already. He's got you. If you ever get a chance to read the book by C.S. Lewis called Screwtape Letters, it is an interesting read, because it is written from a demon to another demon. And in the book... The enemy is God. And so these demons are trying to have a conversation. It's an an older demon trying to train up a younger one on how to attack this young man who becomes a Christian. And so he's given him advice on how how that young man's going to avoid the enemy who is God. It's an amazing account that is so revealing of the human heart. And you think, wow, that is how the enemy traps me sometimes. One of the ways that the enemy can trap someone to think that they are okay is by someone who faithfully attends church, reads their Bible, prays, but has bitterness in their hearts, or has anger, or believes prayer doesn't answer anything, or believes Bible reading is secondary. All these subtle little things that you might not be aware of. Read screw tape letters just to even over your own heart and say, is the enemy working on me in any of these ways? It is, it is incredibly revealing. Um, because we need to know. We need to know. Is there any subtle attitudes that we embrace that could be slowly being overcome by evil in me? Are there slips that we allow in our life? Things that we allow. Things you know are not right with God and you just allow them. Whether it's because of laziness or because it's, it's too hard to, to avoid. Are there slips that you allow? Are there truths that you avoid? Things that the good you know you ought to do and you don't do it? I'm sure there is. There is for me every day. Are there commands that we forget? Go into all the world and make disciples. Did you forget that yesterday? It's very likely. If you've got a lot going on, you've got a busy schedule, you're likely forgetting some commands of God. And to our detriment. And that is, that is how we begin to be overcome by evil and swept away with what the flesh wants. This passage warns us, do not be overcome by evil because it is far too easy. Or, if you think that you can handle this, then you're in trouble too. 
even if you think that you bring 50% to the table and God brings 50% and you'll, you'll battle this thing together, you're, you're in trouble already. Do not be overcome by evil is not a call for you to go work out your arms or to go be smarter or to go do X, Y, and Z. You cannot by any of your power or strength. And this really echoes Romans chapter 7 where Paul ends the chapter by saying, who will deliver me? And he says, thanks be to God for the Lord Jesus Christ. He understands how easy he gets wrapped up and swept away and overcome by evil. And his only conclusion is, I need deliverance and I can't do it. I'm at the bottom of a well. And even if there was a rope, I don't have the strength to pull myself up. Jesus must come down, rip me out of this well, or else I stay there forever. Are you aware of that in your own life? The things that so ensnare you and trap you, even the temptations, that you're at the bottom of a well? Don't be overcome. What do you look? You look to Him. You look to Him. The One who would come. The One who would save you. The One who did overcome evil. And He overcame it with good. The evil in your life, the sin that you've committed against Him and against others, He overcame it with good, with love, with no reviling, with no fighting back. No argument, but submission. This chapter in Romans chapter 12 began with, submit yourselves, right? Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Well, who was the greatest example but Christ Himself? He offered Himself to the will of God for the good of your soul and for His glory. So we come to Him, the One who has overcome the world. We come to Him and say, I can't do this. Here are the things that I'm tempted with today. I need you because I cannot escape them. And if I don't escape, I'm going to be overcome with evil and that might end in a devastation where I might not even know you if I just live in that way. But it says, one of the ways, the tool by which we overcome evil, it says, overcome evil. So you take captive evil. Don't let evil captivate you. Don't let it capture you. Don't let it sweep you away. Instead, you capture it. You overcome evil. And the way you're going to do it is with good. What then is this good? The only thing that is good is God. Everything else is, might be nice, might be fine. Only God is good. Overcome evil with good. As we learn from the whole book of Romans, this is the gospel of God. The gospel of God. It's not the gospel of you or the gospel about you or the gospel for you. Romans chapter 1 tells us this is the gospel of God. It is about His righteousness, page 1 to the end. The book of Romans, which is all about the gospel, it's all about it, is about God and His righteousness. You you get that as a thread through the entire book. You realize in in chapters 1, 2, 3, I'm not righteous. Chapters 3, 4, 5, if I'm not righteous, I'm in trouble. Chapters 5, 6, 7, here's this struggle with righteousness and and unrighteousness in my own flesh, in my body. How how can I deal with this? I'm a sinner. My members of my body are committed to sin. And God tells me to give them to righteousness. Well, what righteousness? 9, 10, 11, confess your sin. Cry out to Jesus. If you would just call on Him, He would save you. 
Chapter 12, now as a saved person, the only way you're going to be righteous is through Jesus and God's own righteousness. His righteousness is threaded through this entire gospel account, through this entire book, which is a picture of your life. Realizing that you are trapped in sin, and if you don't come to a realization of that, and you don't come to a knowledge of your, your need for sin, you will, the wages of sin is death. Right? You will be eternally separated from God. But then if you, by grace, you have been saved, you come to a realization that He would justify you by His own blood. And then you live for Him. You struggle back and forth, submitting to Him as you fall and submit and fall and confess. That's the Christian life. Romans chapter 12 is the perfect example, the perfect overview of the Christian life. And the thread that's through it all is God's righteousness. God's righteousness. So the only way you're going to ever overcome evil is not by your own righteousness. It's not as way scale. Like, all right, I did enough evil, so now I need to do enough good so that I'm overcoming it, so that it's more powerful in me. It's like, you know, when you eat garlic, you're trying to overcome that breath by mint and toothbrush and everything. It doesn't work. You can't mask the garlic breath. Just like you cannot mask your sin. You can't overcome the evil in your life by doing just more good. The only way to overcome evil is by having your life be Christ's. To have Christ in you so that you might be called good. And the amazing thing is when God from the heavens said to Jesus, said, said to the people, said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Right? He says that of you if you're in Christ. Why would God ever be pleased with you? Because Christ in you. What a glorious thing. That, that we would not be overcome by evil only because Jesus has overcome the world and if we come to Him by faith, then He overcomes the evil in us by putting it to death. By giving us His own righteousness, that good, Jesus' good in us. So then, do you know that? Or is that just good on paper for you? Like, okay, when it comes to my eternity, I'm checked. I got my will over here, and it says Jesus at the top, and it says that I have his righteousness, but I'm just going to do my own thing until I get there. Until I die, I'm not going to rely on Jesus' good, on his righteousness. I'm going to do, do, do. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. The only way to overcome evil is with good, and the good is Christ in us, the hope of glory, the, the fruit of Christ in us. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 is good, but it's God bearing fruit in us and through us. Why must we do this? Not to be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Why? 1 John chapter 5 tells us, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That is so simple. How do you overcome evil? And how do you do it? With good. The Bible tells us with faith. You trust in the Son of God. And you trust in Him again and again. You trust in Him because here's the reality. The enemy wants you to believe that if you've been overcome, 
that you're done. That God would have nothing with you. That He doesn't care for you. That you must not be a Christian. You must not be uh, in God's good books because look at you. No, the way we overcome that is by good. And, and that good is our faith, our trust in the one who has overcome the world. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. We do. We do it by faith, by trusting in God and God alone. So it's interesting that this verse, these few words, teach us so much not only about evil, but about overcoming evil, about living in Christ so that we might overcome evil. It teaches us something incredible about God that there is evil. That there is good and there is evil. And that God has set the standard. That God is a moral lawgiver. That God cares about what is evil. That God cares about what is good. That He cares that you are not overcome. That you're not swept up. That you're not just giving in. God cares about that. That's why He commands you here to not be overcome by evil. God cares about what is evil. He cares about what is good. This teaches us about ourselves, about mankind, that we are so easily swept away that we must be told. Like you would think we wouldn't need to be told this. It's like, hey, don't jump off a cliff. You might die. Why, why do we need to be told that? We don't. This is, the, this is the same kind of thing. This is a warning sign that says, you'll die if you jump off this cliff. It's like, oh, really? I, I wasn't aware of that. That's how strange this verse is. But yet it is so necessary because you and I are so prone to sinfulness and so blind sometimes to our own inability and our own uh, getting wrapped up and overcome. Because that's sometimes being overcome is you don't even know. It's like the frog boiling in the water. He didn't see it coming. It just started so subtle, so small, one little slip. One little thing you gave over, that it wasn't for God, but it was for yourself. And it was for yourself, and for yourself again. Little slips. Slippery slope. Just don't be overcome by evil. Be warned, man, woman. It's so easy. And this speaks to us of eternity, too. If you're overcome by evil, it is not just a momentary thing. If you are overcome by evil, and as, as 1 John chapter 5 describes, if you make a practice of sinning and you're so overcome by evil, eternity is at stake. If you're overcome by evil and you do not care about applying this verse, you will care. God's justice will be served. Gen- vengeance will be His. Because if you're overcome by evil, then you are robbing God of glory. You're spitting in His face. And He will not have that. So you will pay. For all of eternity. That's what happens if you're overcome with evil perpetually and, and lastingly, and you do not care. Be killing sin or it'll be killing you. It will. It teaches us about eternity. We ought to feel the urgency of eternity here. Do I know that it, it could come from me tomorrow? Am I overcome by evil today? But then it teaches me about faith in Christ as well. Overcome that with good. And the only way to overcome the world is through faith in the one who has. By placing ourselves in Christ, trusting Him. 
Every time we fail, trusting Him, say, God, you know I just royally screwed up. Forgive me. And His Bible promises that He will. And He gives us strength to. But that's the thing. If you are not aware of how you're going to slip up, you're in trouble already. So I think this is a strong warning for us to become more aware. Note well, if someone was to ask you today, what are the few things that tempt you this week or that could tempt you? A time, a place, a person, a device. What is it that tempts you to um, slander? What is it that tempts you to gossip? What is it that tempts you to, to boil over in anger? What is it that tempts you to lust? What is it that tempts you to addiction? What tempts you? You must know it and be warned or else you will be overcome by evil. In Romans chapter 12, the very beginning, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Realize God is merciful. That if you have screwed up, He is merciful. And His mercy is abounding. His, is new every morning. He is great in His faithfulness. I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be swept away, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good in Christ for His glory. Thank God this is not us. It is, it is our job, by God's grace, to evaluate our life and to see the mess, and to see the temptation, and to see the tendencies. And and thankfully, we're also not alone. You're among other people who also recognize they're sinners. That's why they're here. They recognize they need Jesus. And the only way to need Jesus is if you say, I am broken because I can't do this. So you're in a room full of people who recognize that. So don't try to hide away and have this personality where you think, well, I'm, I'm okay. No, I'm, I'm alright. No, you're not alright. You have temptations that could devour you this week. It is our job to guard each other from the deceitfulness of sin. One of the lies that sin tells you, one of the lies your heart tells you is you're okay. You're not. But thanks God for Jesus. Who, who loves us when we're not okay. Who, while we're His enemies, while we're sinners, loves us anyways and, and transforms us by the renewing of our mind. Confess that to others. Tell them where you struggle. Ask them to pray for you so that you do not be overcome by evil. Ask them, say, I want to overcome evil this week in my life. I want to capture this thing. There's this thing that's got me and I want to get it. I need your prayer. Like, don't leave this place and just be like, I'm all good. You're not. And that's okay. But God is giving us this strong warning this morning. It is so easy to be overcome by evil. Don't. Don't walk off a cliff when you have others around you who can read the sign, who can see things in your life, who can pray for you, who can put a guardrail up. Don't, don't think you're on your own. You're not. God has so given you other people around you to help guard you, to help keep you safe, to help you from being overcome by evil, and to help you overcome evil by good. They're to help you in your faith. And we know from Romans chapter 10 where faith comes from. 
Faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of Christ. So if you're going, man, I am weak in my faith. I don't have enough faith to believe this. I am so weak and here's my temptation. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to overcome this evil. Have someone read the scriptures to you if you can't do it yourself. If you're, even if you're struggling, say, man, I don't get this. Let's read it together. Faith comes through hearing the word of Christ. It comes from hearing the gospel that, yes, you are in trouble, but there is a Savior who loves you and who provides for you. That's the gospel you need to hear on a daily basis. And if you can't preach it to yourself, surround yourself with people who can tell you day in and day out, God has come to overcome that evil in you. And he's doing it through Christ. Cling to him. Trust him. Lean on him. Don't rely to yourself, but look to him, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Let's do that individually. Let's do that together so that we are a people who are not overcome by evil, but we are overcoming evil with good. Let's pray to that end. God, you are holy and you are perfect. And we are so not. In this room, we are people full of failure. We are people who are tempted even today to maybe be angry or bitter or to slander or to have idols, whether that's our self, our self-image, whether that's um, things in this world, material possessions. God, we are so easily overcome. Our flesh desires to just Lock us into thinking about this life and this life only. Oh God, I pray that even in this moment you would grant each one of us an eternal perspective. That you would show us what it means to be at your side forevermore where there is pleasures forevermore and joy that is satisfying. Let us not be overcome by evil in this world because we are just lazy or because we are thinking we're okay. God, reveal to our own hearts the weakness and help us to have faith. God, help our unbelief. Help it where we don't trust you enough so that we might overcome, we might capture that what is evil in us, that we might be killing sin before it kills us. God, that we might put to death what is old in us so that we might live in the new life that you have given us. For your honor and glory, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.